Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am doing an album review today that really fits this time of the year. Maybe wherever you're at, you're feeling that fall weather, smelling the crisp apples of autumn, and are ready for a good horror story. This album that I'm covering today is called Goes to Hell. It's by Alice Cooper, and it came out in 1976. This was produced by the one and only Bob Ezrin, who Alice has been working with for years. Deep Purple have done their last few albums with him uh, to, uh, to a level of mega success. Just fantastic stuff. And he has really helped Alice throughout his career. Now, I did not know this. Of all the years I've been listening to this album, I did not know this until yesterday when I found out that this album is actually a continuation of the album Welcome to My Nightmare and the Story of Steven. I had no idea. I thought it was just another concept album. Now, speaking of concept albums, there's two reasons that I started, well, probably three, but two reasons that I started writing concept albums myself. One was Queensryche's Operation Mind Crime, and the other was Alice Cooper's work, and this album being a big part of that inspiration because I love the story of it. It's a very cohesive story. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it, it really can be sold on its own, even if you don't know the story of Stephen. Like I said, I didn't even know it was connected. So on its own, it's a great story. It's an audio movie, for example. Uh, and the other one was probably just because I like to write stories. I, I like to have, um, you know, a creative idea that's more than just a song that is a whole uh, story or a whole journey. And so I think those are the three reasons that I started writing concept albums. But definitely Alice Cooper was a big part of that. Now, um, the other thing that I found that was really weird, as you'll see in the links in the show notes, there is the uh, you can get it on iTunes and you can also get it on Amazon. If you're looking for digital copies, you can also get on CD and some places have vinyl. eBay is always a great resource for vinyl as well. Discogs. I talk about quite frequently, and they are another wonderful resource for albums that are, you know, out of print. But this is still in print. You can still get it. And uh, but Amazon listed it as the orange album, which I found very strange because it's not orange. I mean, I don't know, maybe because the color off to one side is a little bit orange or because maybe there was an orange vinyl pressing. I have no idea. Kind of weird, though, that um, that they would have called it orange. Now, like I said, this album came out in 1976. I was four. That's right. I was four. And I didn't start listening to it right away, needless to say. It wasn't until I think I was like, well, I started listening to it when we were still in Michigan. So probably like 14 or 15, somewhere in there when I got into this album. We were big fans of Billion Dollar Babies and Welcome to My Nightmare. And, uh, oh, I can't think of the, uh, the name of it. I can picture the album cover, but I can't think of the name. The one with the Ballad of Dwight Fry. Uh, big fans of those albums. And so I had gotten a copy of Goes to Hell on cassette at our local, or not so local, it was, you know, a bit of a drive record store and just fell in love with it immediately. Now I'm going to have a new set of ears to listen to this with, knowing that it is the uh, continuation of the story of the Stephen character that we learned about on Welcome to My Nightmare. That's actually very fascinating. But this album has a great sound to it. I love the production on it. I love the feel of it. It's really clear and clean and it has a really good uh, tone. You know, like the overall tone of the album is really good. So um, yeah, there you have it. 
And here is the first song off of it. The intro is called Go to Hell. Normally, I start the songs at the beginning, as you guys well know, but for this, I thought it would be better to kind of get a gist of the story, the sound of the vocals, because that really is the focal point. I will say, though, the the music is really good on this. Um, The tambourine has a really interesting sound to it. I don't know if they did any uh, processing or effects, but it it sounds just a little bit different than uh, a regular tambourine. So I'm thinking they did something, something minor to it. Um, but the, uh, the music is great. The mix is fantastic. Love the vocals on this. It's Alice in top form. He sounds really powerful on this album. And it's really just kind of saying, here's where the story begins. You know, it's, it's saying, here's all the things that you did wrong. That's why you're going to hell. And trying to think of it in terms of Stephen, you know, he's talking about you even make your grandma sick. But if I recall right from Welcome to My Nightmare, Stephen was never born. But, um, you know, so you kind of have to fill in some blanks there as far as the story goes to make that work. If that is indeed true, I wasn't able to find anything to the contrary and only found a little bit of supporting documentation on that theory. So uh, just for the purpose of the album review, I'm going to assume that that's true. It does make sense. But I don't believe the Stephen name was mentioned once on this album. And so uh, the mystery remains. But uh, it would make sense as far as I'm concerned. So the next song that we have up here is called uh, You Gotta Dance. absolutely love the drums on this. They they just groove so well 
sound great. That snare sounds really nice and powerful. I could use a touch more kick in the mix, but that's just me. Uh, but overall, yeah, the drums are, are really a great focal point in this song. Also, uh, the guitar playing is really good, too. The uh, the vocals, though, you know, they, uh, they really bring out uh, a side that I wouldn't have expected. And I really love the chorus there, the last bit that we heard, where they're using, I, I don't know if it's a shimmer reverb or what they did to get that vibrato sound in the vocals. But it, uh, it, it's really cool. I really like that. That was one of the things that actually sold me on the song was just to get to the chorus and be able to hear that, that uh, you know, shimmery. It doesn't sound like it's a delay. Uh, if it is, it's a very fast one. But in any case, really love that part. It, it just um, it kind of makes the song for me. But honestly, as a drummer, the drum groove is great, too. Uh, it really is. Um, that brings us to I'm the Coolest, which is our introduction to Satan. Well, you got Alice showing a little versatility in his voices and being able to cover different characters, almost as if you were reading an audiobook but singing it. Um, this is a, is a good song. It's very jazzy, and you wouldn't expect jazzy out of Alice Cooper. You heard a little bit of disco-ish feel in the last song, but this one's great because it just, instead of Satan being this overbearing, aggressive ball of hatred, he's just, you know, he's chill. He's just kicking back welcoming new people into his domain and telling him how great he is. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Uh, but it's a good, it's got a good feeling to it. I really like it. I love the guitar sound on there. It feels very 60s almost. Um, just that, um, you know, I, I don't know if they're using the whammy bar. You guys know I'm not a guitar player, right? Um, I play a little bit. I play enough to be able to, you know, thicken up my songs a little bit. But that's pretty much where it ends. I own one pedal. Actually, I own two pedals. One's a theremin, though, so it's it's like a guitar pedal, but it's more of a, a hand motion thing. And the other one is a uh, a bass compressor or a bass limiter. I'm sorry. So I actually don't own any guitar pedals, but I was thinking of getting a pedal board anyway, just because they're so cool. Yeah, you know, that's the one thing for me is that I go to the NAMM show and not being a guitar player, I uh, I'm fascinated by the uh, the pedals that they have out and the different things that they do. I really shouldn't be because I have a lot of that stuff in virtual uh, pedals and virtual effects. But I uh, I don't know. I've always been fascinated with pedal boards. I, I love lights. I love LEDs. I love, uh, you know, that that sort of thing. I really wish, and I, I think I've said this before, but I really wish I had a reason to get a Native Instruments machine, M-A-S-C-H-I-N-E. And the reason is not because I need it, not because I would probably ever even use it, but just because it looks so damn cool. It's got really cool lights on it and um, can really make a, make a mood in the studio. You could really just turn off all the other lights and leave that one on and do your work. 
So uh, that being said, I, I love guitar pedals, um, but I don't know exactly what they're using to create this sound. It might be a bit of a tremolo and maybe using the whammy bar a little bit to get that bend. But whatever they're doing, it sounds really cool. I really like it. It's um, it's just a, a nice little... I, I always feel like he's just sitting in a chair, having a cigarette, saying, you know, I'm pretty cool. And here's why you should think I'm pretty cool. Um, kind of like a lot of people I've met in my life. But in any case, uh, it's a really good song. It, uh, it has a really good feel to it. This whole album really feels uh, different and interesting. And I really like that. The, the sound is different from any of the other albums of his that I know, even from that era. Um, but back then, everything had its own character. It's, it's you know, I've talked at length about that as well, that I think a lot of bands, you know, they just sound, their sound is the same going into the studio over and over because they just pull up the presets. Maybe there's a little variation in the tone. Mick Box and I talked about that when I interviewed him. He says the only real difference is the musicians, how they play. And that's very true. But from a tonal standpoint, a lot of albums sound, you know, from bands are sounding very similar one after another. And um, I don't know if I like that or not. I, I like the 70s and, and the 60s when everything had its own audio character as well. You know, the, the mix of the album was very much a character as much as the guitar player or the drummer. And I kind of I kind of long for that myself. So uh, rant over. That being said, we get to uh, a song that I love on this album. It's called Didn't We Meet? wonderful use of the cowbell, some great builds going into the choruses on this one. This is basically Alice answering back to Satan, who he's just met saying, don't I know you? I think I do. But it's a really cool song. It's kind of where the pleading starts a little bit. You know, um, I love the the way that Alice writes his lyrics, lines like, I don't stand a ghost of a chance with my host. Uh, really cool stuff. You know, he's really brilliant at taking those kind of things and and putting those elements in to make the lyrics more than just, I'm going to tell you a horror story. You know, there's, there's subtleties in there. There's some other meanings in there, but that kind of writing, uh, that intelligence, I really like, I've always loved his, his lyrics and I'm not a big lyric guy, but when you get into a, a, a band like Alice Cooper, you kind of have to pay attention to the lyrics, right? Because yeah, the music's going to be good, but the focal point's always going to be the vocals. And um, there's another album that I know by him that I might cover at some point called Raise Your Fist and Yell. And that's another one where it's uh, really just a killer story. And the whole album revolves around the story. So that is the focal point of what your listening should be. 
You can also enjoy just the music, though. I mean, to be honest, if you do what I typically do and listen to the voice as an instrument rather than a storyteller, you can really enjoy that album, too, because his music is always very good. You know, really creative. I really wonder some of those songs, how they put them together in particular, because they just aren't things that you would sit there and write. I have to think that the lyrics came first and then they wrote the music around the lyrics instead of the other way around. I could be wrong, but it it just seems on some of those things that you would have to do it that way. Kind of almost like the way I look at um, 200 Motels by Frank Zappa. It seems like the lyrics would have had to have come first. And then, okay, what are we going to do to fill in this this soundtrack for this movie? And um, came up with what they did, which was a, another great album I really like. It has a lot of space in it, though. I mean, unless you're watching the movie, a lot of the music is just kind of filler. You know, and, and it's weird because it's not enough to be background soundtrack, but it's enough to be in the movie. You know what I mean? It's it's really weird. But as just to, to sit and listen to the album, I really don't listen to a lot of that. I really just listen to the main tracks and the main songs, the main parts of the story, and not so much all that filler. But this that's a whole different album by a whole different band. This is Alice Cooper we're talking about. Um, so yeah, Didn't We Meet? It's a great song. Love the cowbell, especially. I love the builds into the chorus. I love the passion that he sings with in this song in particular, because it really feels like there's a desperation in him and I don't want to be here. What can I do to get out of this kind of feel? And I just love that. Absolutely love it. Now that brings us to our song, our song, his song, I'll Never Cry. Love that ping pong delay, just that going back and forth from ear to ear. That sounds really cool. That really adds a a, a depth, but almost kind of um, not a vertigo, but just a surreal feel to it because it it really kind of throws your balance off. And so that is a nice effect on the song. Love the gentleness in his voice. Alice can sing so many different ways, but when he sings with that gentleness, it's it's even more powerful sometimes than when he's using full voice. There's a, there's a depth and a feeling to him that is just so believable. And if you've never seen him on stage, I've seen him live twice. And I can honestly say it's an amazing spectacle. It's not a concert. I don't, I don't think of it as a concert as much as I do a performance. Do you know what I mean? It, it's, he really, it feels like he's actually commanding the people that are on stage with him as if he's the puppet master and they're the puppets and he's actually manipulating them into doing everything that you see them do. Plus, I mean, he brings out a guillotine, he cuts his head off, he hangs himself, he he does this incredible thing sometimes with these boxes 
for the song Teenage Frankenstein, where he just throws boxes on top of each other and magically they come to life. It's just an amazing show. Um, when uh, Alice was opening for Deep Purple, this would have been on Deep Purple's Infinite Tour. And Edgar Winter was the the warm-up act. It was fantastic. Just su- such a great combination of bands. But Roger Glover had noted that it really kept Deep Purple on their toes to follow Alice Cooper because he puts on such a spectacle that they have to be 100% on top of their game every night to to be in the headline position. Because if they're not going to put on a better show, why are they the headliners, right? Um, they probably played a little bit longer I, I'm not sure, but yeah, they, they were it, both performances. And plus seeing Edgar Winter was pretty amazing. Seeing Frankenstein being performed live, that was something I thought I would never see, but it was absolutely incredible. I really wish that was a moment that I could relive. Uh, fantastic show for all bands and, and a great tour. I'm really glad I got to see it. And so that brings us... So this is really kind of his... Be on my side. This is how I feel. You know, I'm going to try and be tough, but I'm I'm still, you know, have a, a liquid center and you should want to help me get out of here. And so that leads us to the song uh, Give the Kid a Break, which is kind of where he's he's really kind of pleading his case. And there's sort of a jury and it seems like Satan is the judge, which doesn't really seem so impartial to me. <laughs> I don't know how that would work, but it does sound kind of Twilight zone doesn't it? So here is Give the Kid a Break. Don't know I'm down here. Must be something I say. Or some small imperfection. Why don't you give the kid a break? don't think he's reasonable. Um, but of course, you're not going to say that if you're pleading your case to be let out, right? Uh, this is a really cool song because it shows a side of the character where he's desperate. He's just trying to win people over enough to get out. There is a backup vocal section that gets involved in there. You know, at first they're kind of on his side and then they, they go a different way and he interacts with them and then he's interacting with Satan. And I I was thinking about this, though, while I was putting that clip together, that it doesn't actually make sense that this is part of the Stephen story, because in the beginning, the opening song, it says, um, you know, for criminal acts and violence on the stage. Well, Stephen wasn't born, though. So when did he go on stage? When did that happen? Now, you could certainly make the argument that we're talking about past lives catching up. And if you do, then okay, the story makes sense. But Thinking in terms of that, I'm not really sure that that does make sense. Hmm. You guys decide. Take a vote. See what you think. So that leads us to the determination of this uh, mock trial. And it's simply titled Guilty. 
This is another one. I just love the drums on this song, the feel of it. It's kind of jazzy, kind of bouncy. He's kind of, uh, you know, the character that we are following, whoever it is, is kind of resigned now to, all right, you know what? I tried to do some stuff. I got caught. I guess I'm going to have to pay for it. But, you know, there's always going to be that hope that you're going to get out. I don't think they ever actually sentenced him to any particular punishment, except that basically you're going to be in hell, which, you know, I don't know if the music is this good in hell, I might not be so adverse to going there. But I love the uh, the grit in Alice's voice here. I love the the just the the jazzy swing of this song. It feels it feels good, you know, for a, a song that's kind of still in that pleading range yet in the story. Um, but also a little acceptance. The music just really, really comes together. Love the guitar sound. Everything is really clean on this album. You know, even the the acoustic guitars, they just sound nice and clean. There's no additional fuzz or anything. It's it's a really good sounding album, but not surprising because it was produced by Bob Ezrin. What a shock. Now we are rounding out the last third of the album. We've got Wake Me Gently. Just even in this opening section, there's so much going on. I'm hearing three distinct guitar tracks. I'm hearing a triangle. When the bass comes in, it just sounds really nice and mellow, just enough to enhance it without being loud or distorted. Really beautifully done. Um, but it's that that vocal, that singing, that you just want to you know run up and give the character a hug because he's being so... I don't know. It just makes me want to uh, get him out, you know? It's it's a beautifully sung piece. And that, you know, people talk a lot about Alice's more aggressive songs, you know, School's Out, songs like that. And if you guys listen to my episode where I interviewed Reggie Vincent, we talked uh, about School's Out and some other uh, work that he did with Alice as well as John Lennon. Unbelievable guy. I cannot wait to get him back on the show. But it, it, there's just something that really sells it. There's an honesty. There's a believability. It's not just a guy that wrote a story and he's singing the words. There is a real belief that these are real people having real conversations. And I, I love that he's that talented, that he can pull that off in a musical sense, because a lot of times musicals, they tend to focus so much on the music that they kind of lose a little bit of the story or the believability of the story because it's just people delivering lines as opposed to me feeling that this is a real experience. And when I listen to this album, the way Alice performs it, I definitely feel like we're actually living a real life experience. So I that's one of my favorite things about this album is that that reality of it. 
Um, another one of my favorites coming up. This song is called Wish You Were Here. That's really kind. This song is actually pretty heavy now that I think about it. And it, again, it's Alice's delivery that just makes this uh, makes this song for me. It's the little inflections, the little bit of sarcasm. You know, I meant to mention this earlier. I think it was in um, Give the Kid a Break. But I love where he places his lyrics. You know, it's it, when you're telling stories, it's not always here's how the lines of the verse go. It's here's how this dialogue needs to be delivered, because while it is melodic and, and fits in with the music, He's also just telling a story. So it's kind of half narration, half vocals. But it's uh, I really love the way that he does his delivery and the placement of his words sometimes taken out of what would be the norm and just done a little bit differently. Um, he talks to a lot of people in his albums that aren't there, which is, is kind of fun. I mean, they're there in the story, of course. But this is a great song. It's got another just great groove to it. Kind of has a little bit of that disco feel again. I love the guitars on this. I love the drums. The chorus just kicks ass, absolutely kicks ass. That I used to get stuck in my head all the time. And they say, if you have a song stuck in your head, you should listen to it. I call shenanigans on that because it has not helped me to get it out of my head just because I listened to it. So I don't know, maybe I'm one of the few that that would happen to. But in any case, it happens to me. So yeah, it's a great song, really good energy. I love the the picking on it. I love the uh, the strumming. It's got a great heavy sound on one of the guitars. Just a great piece of music. And, and the vocals are fantastic. I love the chorus. Uh, there's just a lot of components to this one that are really uh, draw you in and, and make it worth listening to over and over again. So uh, that being said, we are now on to I'm Always Chasing Rainbows. And no, this is not Muppet related. At the end. Yeah, very cool. Nice little shaker in there. We hear the return of the chorus, uh, the choral section. You didn't get to hear that on Give the Kid a Break because I didn't play it. But 
It's uh, I didn't want to ruin that little gem for you. Just enjoy that when you listen to the full song, which, by the way, whenever I do these review shows, I always suggest if you if you're liking what you hear, if you think you might like the album or you're kind of on the fence, go listen to it online and then purchase it or, uh, you know, just just go to your, uh, you know, your player wherever you listen to music and check it out. See if you like the full songs, then go buy the album. It's it's worth it. This is a good one. But the choral section's back in there. I really like that. Um, I love the little shaker. This is really kind of summing up, you know, the situation and um, just, you know, uh, surmising the whole album uh, as we head towards the finale song next. But it's, it's a good song. It's one that I'm kind of like, um, I could have done without it personally, but that's just me. That leads us to our final track on the album, The End of Our Story, and it's called Going Home. Just another beautiful vocal delivery on this song. Absolutely stunning. You know, Alice has such a range, so many tricks in the bag. It's it's pretty amazing. I mean, he was definitely born to do what he is doing with his life. And I love that. He's also an incredibly generous and giving guy. He's got the school of rock. He does stuff for children all the time. Um, he has a, a, a contest every year at the Christmas pudding event where all kinds of people come out, jam with him on stage. And he um, will do a contest when the winner gets to open for his band at a show in Phoenix where he lives. And that's pretty incredible. You know, bands don't really go to those lengths anymore. But he he's always done that, at least, you know, as far as I've known, uh, just things for people. And I, I absolutely love that. I love that he's doing the School of Rock. That's uh, just amazing stuff coming from this guy. He's not just a great musician. He's a great person. And that makes me Love his music even more. But here on Going Home, we've got a wonderful, gentle delivery that goes into a harsher chorus, back to a gentle delivery. Love that. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit of a teeter-totter ride for the listener. But there is one line in here I do find curious. He goes, I'm going home. I wonder what happened to Alice. So obviously, he's not Alice in this story, but he is someone else. Is it Stephen? I don't know. I, I don't know that I'm convinced on that point. I went into this with the assumption that that was true. And now, honestly, I'm I'm not sure. I don't know. What do you guys think? I can tell you that uh, that I really like this song. I think it's great. It's, it brings back uh, a little bit of orchestra, brings back some piano, which we had earlier that I didn't address. But it just it's it's got a feel good thing to it. It kind of starts off a little bit somber and curious and just, 
you know, moves into some real power in the chorus, especially the final choruses. Uh, just a great song and a great album. I really love this album. It's one that I've listened to many, many times and I could listen to over and over again without getting bored. I don't get bored of the story. I don't get bored of the characters. I don't get bored of the atmosphere of it. I think it's all very stunning. And this is an album that, as far as I know, did not have a huge popularity compared to some of his other albums. And I'm like, why though? It's really good. You know, it's got good stories. It it would be hard to follow up Welcome to My Nightmare with anything. I mean, just the story of, of Stephen alone is a great song and and all that. But this is this is a an excellent album too. I highly encourage you guys to check out the full album, especially this time of year when it's going to have that that right season to it. You know, they uh, I go get a a pumpkin candle or or a crisp apple candle and sit down and listen to the music while a delicious scent fills the air in your home in this holiday season. Thank you guys so much for joining me for another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I'll be back next week with another episode where we'll be doing stuff and things. Take care, guys. Cheers. But wait, wait just a moment. I think I cracked the case here. I, I'm going to say no to the whole Stephen story, and here's why. The actual line from I'm Going Home is, how many said, I wonder what happened to Alice? Now, that being the case, that means that he is Alice Cooper in this story and not Stephen, so that couldn't be right. Either that or he just forgot and put that lyric in there and and didn't think about it. But I find that hard to believe. He's pretty meticulous, it seems like. So I'm going to say I don't think that this is the continuation of the Stephen story. And just I'm just going to go back to it's just a great concept album. So take that. Ha! Cheers! (laughs) 